0: one-niner out there on the interwebs. Get your ears on for ye old fitness skills podcast from GMB, and that's ending with a silent E, where we teach you how to get strong by practicing skills you actually want to learn and have fun in the process. My name is Andy Fawcett. I'm not only the founder of the GMB Posse, I am also a client, and here with me is the hero of the GMB Epic Saga, Ryan Seahurst, GMB's program director and head coach.
1: That was by far the best intro you've ever done. That was good. I just just had to say that. that I,
0: I read the exact same words I read every time, but I will take your word for it.
1: And you added in, but that's with the silent E, that's, that's what made it all. The,
0: the silent all, E? Well, when you're yeah. speaking Old English, I think it's very important <laughs> to have a silent E.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff, good stuff. What do we got going on? What's going on? What's going on? Well,
0: today we are
1: going to talk about some
0: things related to um, sort of tumbling and movement skill and acrobatics. Uh, you know, we we recently uh, released uh, Floor 2, which goes into these kinds of things, but we haven't really done a lot of this kind of thing, uh, well, publicly, we haven't taught a lot of this kind of thing before but and partly because we've been holding back uh, and, and waiting for the chance to do it and now that we, we can, we can talk about more of this stuff and I'm really excited because as you know this is actually really what I'm more into than some of the other stuff that we've done so that's, that's going to be fun
1: Yeah, right, yeah and um, I can see that, yeah because with your background and stuff I mean, you're, you're Tumblr and so uh, this will be fun this will be a good talk today
0: I hope to I hope to instill some wisdom in you.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm all-
0: <laughs> cool. Um, and speaking of F two, also, I just want to make a, a quick uh, thank you to uh, Mike Fitch and Anthony Michael, who both contributed some bonus material to F two. Why don't you kind of go over briefly what each of those guys uh, sort of added?
1: Yeah, this was this was really awesome um, Mike Fitch Went ahead and did a video tutorial On a really cool hand balancing move That he came up with He did it just for us, which is really cool And so, um, big thank you To Mike for that Anthony just went all kinds of crazy Wrote yeah. a huge uh, uh, PDF primer On tricking Includes uh, video links for all the movements That he put in there Just the both of them it uh, wonderful stuff for uh, Floor 2. Great bonus material.
0: Yeah, Mike's thing is really cool because it's not just you know a series of moves. They're all linked together, and I love that. I thought that was just really, really neat. Um, that's one of the things was, that we yeah. like about Mike is that he really gets what we're about and what uh, we're trying to do, and he totally delivered
1: on that. Oh, yeah. I was playing around with that movement yesterday, and it's fun. It's a really fun movement. And I'm also really looking forward to working on the movements that Anthony put in there. His tricking is just great and there's a lot of stuff in there that uh, I want to focus on and get some of those moves. So.
0: Yeah, I just thought that was amazing that he went out <laughs> in the cold in his backyard yeah. and <laughs> just filmed all of those things so anyway, thank you Anthony uh, you went yeah. above and beyond and it's, oh, it's awesome great. and people are really going to get a lot out of it, I believe ah, Excuse me while I sip some coffee Um, So also, the other thing is we've had a bunch of new people join Alpha Posse, and so welcome, guys. Uh, If you don't know what Alpha Posse is, um, search Google for Alpha Posse. I'm pretty sure we are the number one result, and if not, Google needs a talking to. Um, So with that said, uh, let's answer a few questions. Um, You ready, Ryan? ready you ready to smack down some cues let's do it it. all right um so here's one that actually was posted on our forums for alpha posse recently um but i think that we've also gotten emails about this before and so i wanted to answer it on the podcast as well so here we go so i feel nausea and dizziness when doing front rolls and back rolls uh do you have any advice on that
1: yeah this is interesting um A lot of times, even when you begin out, when you start with tumbling and things like that, uh, you're going to get dizzy. And the reason why is because you're not used to the movements. Um, But, of course, some people could have an ear problem. And this is what um, Kevin, one of the guys on our forum, talked about. I believe he's an ear surgeon.
0: Yeah, so one of our our Alpha Posse members is an ear surgeon and does cochlear implants for uh, deaf children so he's he's an expert
1: on inner ear issues <laughs> yeah basically yeah and um but really sometimes it's just a matter of not being used to the movements and so what do you do well you just work up to being able to do them um let's say for example someone tells you yeah we're going to do three forward rolls in a row well chances are if you've never done a four roll before you're going to get dizzy not just doing three, but even just maybe with one. And so it's it's a matter of really getting used to the movement. Um, not just forward rolls, but, you know, even something like a cartwheel you can get dizzy with if, if let's say, you close your eyes or something. Uh, something that would help, of course, is finding a spot on the wall or or anywhere when you're rolling over to try and, and look at. I've found that this helps with people. Um, but really, it just all comes back to getting used to the movements, you can start off very easy movements. Rather than doing a forward roll, you can do what's called a log roll, which is where you just lie down, and I'm sure you've done when you're a kid and you put your arms out and just roll over to the side and just gradually work on doing this. Actually, I remember Jarlo had some trouble um, doing forward rolls and things like that. Uh, he worked on worked slowly on being able to do it. Now he doesn't have too many problems with it. I know that. Um, Yeah, just got to get used to it. Not really sexy advice or anything like that, but go slow with it, work at your own pace, and gradually build up to being able to
0: do it. Yeah, and I just want to also add that, you know, barring any kind of, um, you know, doctor diagnosed vertigo or inner ear issue most of the times when you get dizziness and this nausea kind of feeling that's caused by the fact that when you rapidly turn yourself over your inner ear position sense and where your eyes are telling you are that gets out of sync and that's what causes the feeling of sickness is that your brain can't reconcile what your eyes are seeing and what your ears are feeling and so that's why uh, the the way to, to sort of circumvent this is to use your eyes and consciously focus on a point while you slowly move and then gradually build up. And when you do that, you, you start training yourself so you get used to it and you you can tell where you are when you're in different positions.
1: Another interesting thing, too, it's even with me – in the very beginning of my workouts, if uh, I if I'm using, for example, a tumbling warm up to start my workout, the first couple rolls, you know, I won't necessarily be dizzy, but I might see stars or something like that. Yeah. It, it it'll take it time to kind of warm up your body to warm up and get into the movement. So, so let's say you perform a forward roll first. You know, first thing during your workout, you perform a forward roll and you see stars. That doesn't necessarily mean that. You've got a problem or something like that. It might just mean that that you're not warmed up and ready to, and your body's not really ready to uh, progress into your workout just yet. So just take it easy and, like Andy said, find a spot, uh, make sure that you're going slow with the movements, and just get used to it. Yeah, that, that seeing
0: stars is just an increase in blood pressure in your head, basically, yeah. uh, and that just means that you you need to slow it down a little bit. Cool. Yeah, same thing, with handstands and stuff like that. So. Absolutely. Um, so next question, uh, and we get the, we get asked this question all the time in uh, in different in different sort of uh, contexts. But what kind of training area and equipment do you recommend? Um, and so we get asked this question about you know like flooring, about all kinds of equipment. But let's let's kind of talk about a little bit generally about flooring, about mats, about you know space, and, and sort of all these kinds of environmental issues that we need to be thinking about.
1: Yeah, in a perfect world, um, we would have a huge area to work out on and we would have a mat that has a bit of a spring to it. Like, Let's say, for example, a gymnastics mat. Those are a lot of fun. gives you good lift uh, whenever you're performing tumbling movements. However, we know that this is not a perfect world. So uh, you might be forced to work on flooring. You might be forced to work on a wrestling mat or something like that. Um, Just as long as you're focusing on on form and performing these movements in a safe manner, it really doesn't matter what you're working on. For example, uh, when I shot floor two, I actually performed all of the movements on a horsehair mat that was on a concrete floor. I'm not suggesting that you do that at all. I'm just saying that that is the only thing that I had to work with, and so I made it work. Um, you got to work up to this kind of stuff and just be safe with it. Now, if you can, I do suggest um, having an extra mat or two around to work on on your flips, uh, front flip, back flip, things like that when you do it. So, for example, a crash pad. Um, and if you don't really know what a crash pad is, just think of, of a mattress. It's about the same thickness uh, as a mattress on your bed. And it might be just a little bit softer, but it's just going to help you. Um, in case you crash and chances are if you're working on front flips and back flips for the first time uh, you will crash and I don't mean to say crash like you're going to get injured I just mean that you have to progress on being able to land these movements and in order to be comfortable with the movements and um, get through some of the fear factor a crash pad is something that will help you to progress towards those advanced movements. Yeah and
0: I just want to kind of break into and just say that You know, like you said, crash does not mean injure. I think that we need to be clear on that. That there's different kinds of crashing. There is the catastrophic crash, pile drive on your head with your neck at a ninety degree angle that paralyzes you, kind of thing. But you know what? It's the chances of you doing that are are very, very, very slim. You know, you're not going to be putting yourself in that position uh, when you're learning gymnastic stuff. That's what happens when you accidentally fall off your roof putting on Christmas lights you know uh, a crash just means that you fall uh not on your feet that you land in some way that is not on your feet and in order to get back flips and and front flips and aerials you will crash at you know several times
1: yeah and for example if you're doing a front flip the first time you perform a front flip um you won't you won't have a spatial awareness probably to understand where you are while performing that flip so chances are you probably land kind of on your butt kind of on your feet yeah and and you don't and that's what we mean by a crash and so you don't want to do that on grass or something like that because really you're just going to hurt your ass <laughs> so that's where a crash pad comes in um yeah that's just about it as far as as far as being able to train and, and learn these movements, in training myself to be able to perform the flow, the flow for uh, flow two, I actually trained. I trained outside on grass. I trained in dance studios with um, hardwood floors. Let's see. I trained, as I mentioned, on concrete um, in a gym with a very thin mat, and I also, of course, went to a gymnastics center. And use the mats and things that they had, and I really suggest doing that. If you have a chance to go to a gymnastic center, uh, please do check out the the spring floors that they have and work on your skills um, at a gymnastic center. It's a lot of fun. But getting back to what I was saying, you know, as long as you're doing it and working on these movements, um, being safe and not really being stupid, and just trying something without having the necessary uh, strength and foundation to be able to do them then you should be fine wherever you do it so as far as space goes uh, when you're when you're tumbling and you're performing um, skills back to back like let's say for example you're doing a butterfly kick in an aerial um, or let's just even simplify it so that so that we can um, maybe kind of understand what we're talking about let's just take a forward roll and a cartwheel so pretty much everybody knows what a forward roll in a cartwheel is well, if you perform the cartwheel right after your forward roll, obviously it's going to take up a little bit of space. So you're not going to be able to perform a lot of a lot of tumbling skills um, in the space of a yoga mat. You know, it's very popular out there. Um, exercise programs and things like that say, yeah, you can perform all of these movements in the in a space of a yoga mat. Well, when you get into tumbling and performing tricks. Like this, uh, like this, meaning, for example, that forward roll and the cartwheel that we're talking about, it is going to take up some space. So, let's say you're outside and you're working on um, learning some of these, these tricks, the forward roll and the cartwheel or something like that. Yeah, you're going to need a little bit of space, but also make sure that that you're doing it in a safe place. And what I mean by that is when you're working out outside, make sure there's no holes in the ground. Uh, Make sure there's no rocks or sticks or something like that because the last thing you want to do is sprain your ankle by landing with your foot in a hole or stepping on a rock or something like that. So as far as space goes, all I really have to say about that is make sure that you have enough space so that if something goes wrong, you're not going to break anything like your TV or... Or your dog or yourself. And so always just make sure that you have enough space to do it safely.
0: Yeah, and I think that's really the most important part too. I mean, in terms of, you know, flooring or equipment or space or any of that stuff, really the biggest thing that you can do to make sure that you're training effectively and safe safely is to make sure that you're you're just aware of that. You know. You have to know what you do have. You know, if you're even if we're talking about ring training and you've got Uh, You know, you've got plastic rings that slip, you know, when you get sweaty, you need to know that and you're going to need to adjust your training to that versus, you know, maybe a wooden ring that with some chalk on your hands or something that's not going to slip. And you need to be aware of knowing when you're slipping or not. Well, it's the same thing with a floor. You know, you need to know how much give the floor has. You need to know how much traction you've got on that surface. You need to know like you said if you're outside if there's like sticks and rocks and holes and stuff. That's the thing that's really important is you need to just know your surface, know your space and be able to navigate that. And learning to navigate that area is actually a big part of the practice. You know, I also do a little bit of parkour. I don't say that a lot because I'm not good at it and I don't want people thinking that I'm like the guy in the beginning of the James Bond movie or something. I'm not nearly that good. So please don't hold me to that standard. But I do a little bit of it and people who practice parkour know this for a fact. Like before you start like running around and jumping on stuff, you better check around and make sure there's not like, you know, broken glass or you're planning to land and stuff. Well... You know, that's a big part of training is being aware of that kind of thing. And knowing your environment is how you can learn to navigate it. And I know this sounds like it's far removed from an ideal training world, but the point is training isn't for the ideal world. That's exactly right. Yep. (laughs) Training is to get you so you can be more confident in the real world. So learning to be aware of your environment when you're training will translate to awareness of your environment when you're not training. And that's why I think that's the most important thing that you can do. So regardless of where you go, like even Anthony talks about it in the tricking primer that we, we mentioned earlier. He he goes into, you know, people who learned tricking initially, you know, they didn't have access to gymnastic studios, a lot of them. So they just go out in the backyard and do it. It, you know, so you can learn this stuff in any environment, but you just have to learn to use your environment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so on that note, though, I think that a lot of people worry if they're you know, if they're not in an ideal environment. You know, people naturally have fear When they're learning new things and especially if we're talking about acrobatic stuff, but I mean, even with with any kind of difficult movement, people have a little bit of fear when they're learning new things. And um, you actually wrote a blog post about this uh, talking about when you were learning the Iron Cross and it was especially difficult for you, especially since you had had so much trouble, uh, shoulder trouble right yeah so maybe maybe tell us a little bit about some ideas for overcoming fear uh, with new skills and you know what can we do to get past that is fear a bad thing you know should
1: we just like tough it out and go yeah yeah no and and fear fear is a good thing it's you know as human being fear is protecting your body and it's and it's keeping you actually hopefully from doing stupid stuff. And <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, because you know, you look at YouTube and wow, there's a lot of stupid stuff out there. But but really this fear is your body's protective uh, protection mechanism. And so you do have to kind of trick that sometimes. And what I mean by that is performing back flips and, and, and some of the movements that we, that we perform, even the iron cross, really, it's not a natural thing um, to suspend yourself in the air with your arms out to the side in that position. Um, in my case, I had a, you know, had complete shoulder reconstructive surgery and, working on the iron cross was very scary because, of course, I didn't want to blow my shoulder out again. Now, how do we overcome that fear? Well, we make sure that we're not just jumping into something without having the knowledge of how to do it, and we're also making sure to take the time to work up and and gain the strength to be able to do it. So, for example, with the iron cross, of course, I didn't just jump up there and just try the iron cross. I used progressions, built my strength, and learned the skills and went through the skills necessary in order to get me to the point where I could start training the Iron Cross. The backflip is is very similar in that, <clears throat> you know, people see see a person performing a backflip and think it's just a matter of throwing your body back and, and getting over. Well, yes, that's really what it is, is just getting your feet up over your head and rotating, but you do have to build up to it. The fear of of going backwards, <clears throat> pardon me, my throat. The fear of going backwards is a natural thing because we don't want to fall and hit our head, obviously. But if you do work up to the do work through progressions, um, understand what is necessary and what has to happen in order for you to accomplish the backflip, it's really, really pretty easy. And you, Andy, you talk about this all the time the backflip is not a difficult movement. It, it's, well, that's it's,
0: because like I, I went through years as a child thinking it was going to be so hard and building it up is such a difficult thing and and thinking, oh, I can't practice a backflip until I can get a back handspring or I can't practice a backflip until I do other things and putting it off. And when I eventually got it, the backflip turned out to be one of the easiest gymnastic skills I ever learned and I decided that I loved it and I felt gypped for all those years that I just like talked myself out of doing it.
1: But you know, you bring up a good point because isn't fear in doing things in life pretty much that that we build something up and think it's so difficult? Whether it be you know skills as far as movement, or even I don't know, just creating a business or something like that, we get so scared and we think it's going to be so difficult that when we actually do it and realize that hey, that wasn't bad at all, it is kind of a jip. You're like, geez. I've been worrying about this my whole freaking life. What the hell kind of thing? Yeah. You know? and, and I'm not saying that everything in life is easy, but as long or as you Or do- that your fears are unfounded. <laughs> exactly. But if you do understand what, what has to happen in order to get that, and you go through the progressions and you build up to it, when it's time for you to throw that backflip or perform the Iron Cross, you should be good and ready to do it. And so even though you might have that fear- of performing it that first time, you should be able to do, be able to do it um, safely, and that's really the big thing. And and whether it be the backflip or the iron cross or even just a forward roll for the first time, because it can be scary. You know, my daughter and my son I remember working with them and learning how to do the forward roll. Well, my son is fearless. He's three years old, and he doesn't really understand because he's at that age. He doesn't really understand fear. You know, because he just thinks it's fun. Well, my daughter, she's five. And so now when she's doing these other tricks, like for example, working on doing a forward roll on a balance beam or something like that, yeah, that fear of falling is there. But it's not that I just threw her up there and said, do it. She's gone through the process of learning the forward roll on different places. And she's built the confidence, and this is a big one too, is building that confidence through the strength building and working through progressions so that when you get to the point where it's time to perform that forward roll up on a balance beam or something like that, you'll have the confidence to be able to do it even though it is scary. Cool. And I also,
0: so you mentioned a few times, you know, going through the progression. So I think we should also sort of specify what that really means because we talk about this a lot, like, you know, progressions for exercises. And I want to... I also want to say that this is not just you do step A then step B then step C. Progressions actually covers a few different things. There's obviously there's the skill progression. There's the easy skill, the little harder skill, the little harder skill. That's the progression that everyone sees. And when you hear most people talk about exercise progressions, that's what they mean. But there's other progressions too. Um, there's the strength and flexibility. There's that's the physical attribute progression. So you have to build up strength to be able to move a different way and build up flexibility, you know, and build joint mobility perhaps. Uh, there's that. There's the motor learning progression, which is the skill gets a little harder or a little more complex or a little more sophisticated. That's a totally different progression you know and there's also the mental progression of knowing what you're capable of learning how to deal with you know fear or doubt and and that kind of thing and so these are there's three different shades of progressions you know and a good program is going to work on all three of those at the same time you're going when you when we say you go through a progression it's addressing all three of those aspects you know it's not just you do this and you do this and you do this
1: yep yeah And a lot of people, unfortunately, out there just look at at the particular movement and say, okay, just do this movement, and once you can do it, you can move on. Um, But it's really sometimes not – it's simple if you think of it that way, but really there's a lot of other stuff going on. And a big thing, especially when we're tumbling, is that fear factor. And we always want to make sure that when we're moving through progressions, working on progressions, we always want to make sure that we're building the confidence – to be able to actually progress to the next um, or, pardon me, to advance to the next progression in a safe manner. Because when you feel safe and through having the strength and the confidence to do something, then you're going to be able to perform better and do it safely. Absolutely.
0: So let's talk about a few other kind of uh, tips for learning new skills. So we've addressed conquering the fear. So Let's just try to be really general, you know, any kind of skill. Let's say, you know, it could be it could be a backflip, it could be learning to play the fiddle, or it could be knitting, or, you know, whatever. Uh, but let's just talk about a few things that we have found that help learning skills. You know, uh, a lot of people don't know this. I know it seems like everyone at GMB, the only thing we ever do... Is you know training for fitness and working out. God, I hope it doesn't seem like that. Jeez. People, we have other interests. Please, I hope you know that. I'm begging you to know this. Um, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so this is stuff that you know. We've done a lot of different stuff too, and so some things that we've learned that we apply to our training. Uh, But a lot of it we're applying from other things that will help you to master skills, whatever kind of skills they are.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, If we're just talking about movement, uh, then definitely video. I think video is, is quite possibly not the most important, but it's up there. And the reason for that is because when you're performing a movement, you might feel something and that something might feel right when you're doing it. But when you actually go back and look at the video, the video might be telling you something different. So what's very important is being able to feel and perform that correctly, feel the correct position or the correct movement. And so by using video we can go back and analyze what's going on. So like let's say if you're doing a handstand and you and it feels like your body's straight, but when you go back and you look at the video, you notice that there's a really nice curve in your back. Well, and obviously, you're not feeling what needs to happen in order to perform that correctly. So you can go back there. You can go back and work on really making sure that you're in a straight line and then learn this new feeling. And I keep saying feeling because really, it's it's more than just looking at yourself in a mirror and and seeing if you're doing something correctly. Because we're not going to have a mirror with us everywhere we go when we do something. A lot of times in martial art, you start off and you stand in front of the mirror and you learn how to punch. Well, you know, you got to get away from that mirror as soon as possible so that you can start feeling what it's, what it's happening in order for it to be uh, done correctly. So, um, video, that's why I love video.
0: Well, yeah, and that's an important point because, you know, we think that we're doing things right. And it's not that we're just dumb, you know, but the thing is we don't know what it feels like. For example, in in the the handstand, we don't know what it feels like to be upside down with a straight back. Exactly. We have no way of telling that our back is straight or curved. We just – we have no point of reference for that and that's why video is so important. You know, like practicing a cartwheel or something or a front roll. Front rolls are are actually a really good example because – uh, it's something that you could get a completely different idea of if you take video of it from both the side and from the front. From the side, you can see you know, how well your hands are positioned. Are you tucking your neck properly? Do you have a really good curve? And are your knees tucked in tight? Uh, you know, How is your contact with your back on the floor? And how smooth is that? You can see all of that from the side, but you can't always feel it, right? Now, if you move the camera to the front, You can see, well, are you going straight? Do you favor the right or the left shoulder? Do you turn your head a little bit? You know, does one leg like to stick out more than the other? And you can start to diagnose things, but more than that, you start to put that visual reference point together with your sensation of the movement, and you begin to get uh, an internal point of reference of what it should feel like versus what it actually does feel like. And... You know, that's it's one of those things that it, it's kind of difficult to explain. But the more you practice using video or pictures even, but video is just easier these days, uh, the more you practice using video, the, the more that you'll be able to learn from watching videos. And uh, so I highly recommend it. Um, when I was practicing uh, when I was practicing how to be a funky bass player, um, I, I actually used to watch my right hand, my my slapping hand in the mirror when i played uh you know i didn't have video really handy back then but i used to watch in the mirror my hand because if i looked at my own hand it was like i was i don't know it was too immediate Um, but I, i had to look at it in the mirror to like kind of remove myself from the feeling to see what was actually happening and then I had to go back in and try to connect that. But you know, taking it outside of the performance and looking at it, and then performing again is is very useful. It's kind of what I'm getting
1: at here. Exactly. Um, when I was learning Japanese, and I don't know if you did this when you were learning, Japanese, taping it. I would I would record I would record my voice. I would I would say something. <clears throat> And, you know, practice it, and then I would record it and listen listen to it again and realize, oh, you know, that's not, that's not really what I thought I was saying. And so that really helped me to get better at Japanese quickly. So that was great, recording everything. Of course, we all hate our, the sound of our voice, but, you know, getting used to being able to go through that quickly and understand, okay, yeah, this is what I think I'm saying, but what it sounds like is this, and then being able to change that really helped me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a really, really good point. I had forgotten. I did a little bit of that with Japanese, but probably not as much as I should have.
1: (laughs) Pretty much every day when I was first learning. And uh, wow, you can get good quick if you do something like that. Cool. Um, So let's talk a little bit. So
0: once you've got that feeling, um, we've talked about this in a previous episode too, visualization and how that's probably a misnomer. Um, And actually some people call it Ideation, which is probably a little closer to the truth, but it's a word that people don't know. But the idea is basically just mentally rehearsing the movement, not actually physically performing it, but mentally rehearsing it and trying to feel the ideal sensation of doing it perfectly.
1: And this, not just with movements either. I mean, for example, how you're sitting right now. And as soon as I say that, I'm sure you probably sit up. And you might be you know, hunched over your computer. Or I, I
0: actually like purposefully refused to straighten my posture when you said that because I was like, Ryan's going to say as soon as I say that, you yeah, know, I knew you're going to sit up, and I was like, no, still slouching, dude,
1: <laughs> just to be a bastard. <laughs> but but this is something too, you know. I mean, visualization. You know, how are you sitting, you know? And then. You know, thinking, okay, well, that's not what I'm doing. And so you think about how you should sit and you can say, it. but that's, of course, it's a very, very easy um, way to start off and get a feel for for doing that. And then you can graduate into harder and, and progressions and really start thinking about, okay, when I do a front flip, in my mind, this is what I, this is how I should be doing it. Or, you know, getting into being able to do it as perfectly as possible. So when you go out there and actually perform the movement, you can do it. Michael Jordan used to talk about this all the time. You know, he would visualize shooting free, free throws. Wow. Can't even say that. And uh, it really helped him get better at free throws.
0: So. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And I guess kind of just sort of continuing this thread, um, you know, we've talked about, you know, tumbling and acrobatic stuff because that's what we've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, so, any kind of like general tips for practicing this kind of thing? Uh, we've talked about you, you wrote the blog post recently how, you know, it used to be your weakest thing, but uh, in recent months you've put a lot of effort into it and you've gotten better at it. So, what are some of the things that really helped you uh, in your practice of this kind of, you know, sort of acrobatic stuff?
1: Something really, I think the biggest thing that helped me in this might sound strange but basically slowing things down and i'm not talking about actually slowing the movement down but performing a movement stepping away and thinking about how i perform that movement how it felt and okay what do i need to do in order to make that better the next time i do it yeah so constantly analyzing what was going on even though i might might not have had my video at that time i was really internally focusing on what what i did how it felt and what do i need to do the next time i do it in order to make it better and so that is really what helped me a lot and and really i mean with with everything recently that i that i've been doing whether it be tumbling or or anything that that's how i've been training and I found that I'm really making great progress by doing that. I'm not just trying to go through the movements as, as you mentioned earlier, Andy, it's that awareness and not just trying to plow through a workout, but really focus on making everything I do better each time I do it. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be something difficult and really it shouldn't be because in the beginning, and this is what I did, I went right back to the beginning, you know, forward rolls. How are my forward rolls? Or just like what you said, what side am I favoring when I roll over? Is is my the left shoulder hitting before my right? Is it even when I'm coming out of that forward roll? Are my feet together? Are they open? Is this foot forward, and is it allowing me to, you know, better transition, make a better transition into the next skill? And so, you know, focusing on the individual skills was very important, of course, and working through these progressions and starting at the very beginning, working on the strength. But transitions were something also that I really focused on. And I found that when you're tumbling and if you really want to learn how to put things together, of course, you have to have the skill, like say the forward roll, you have to have that down first. But then if you want to combine it with another movement, like the cartwheel we spoke about earlier, that transition phase is something that's really, really necessary to focus on in order to make it smooth and safe. Also, another thing, if you, when you're working on putting two movements together, I always suggest taking that level down one or even two. So let's say you have the aerial, and an aerial is a no-handed cartwheel. So if you're trying to do um, a front flip step out to an aerial, so basically you do a front flip, but you land with one foot in front of the other, so, and it allows you to go right into the aerial. In order to work on that transition, in the beginning, I wouldn't use the front flip in the aerial. Start off with a forward roll and a cartwheel. And so kind of take the movements down a couple levels and work on the basic versions of those and just focus on the transition and then gradually ramp it back up to the advanced skills. And so, you know, I'm just throwing a bunch of stuff out there, but those are just a couple things that really helped me in bettering my tumbling because tumbling is not my best thing at all but i'm really looking forward actually to continue with my tumbling and work on the things that we talked about today and get better at doing this it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun when you're when you're able to perform these skills and feel confident feel confident in doing them that's actually really interesting
0: because uh when I was sitting around before uh, a couple hours before we recorded this podcast, thinking of things I could say that would make me sound smart, uh, two of the things that I came up with were uh, for, for general kind of tumbling tips were to work on transitions <laughs> and to take your ego out of the process, which is very very closely related to what you were talking about, you know focusing on the very beginnings and um You know, not getting attached to the outcome of doing a backflip, but just working on the particular progression you're at and nailing that progression, not just trying to do a good enough, uh, good enough one handed cartwheel that you think you might be ready to start practicing with no hands. That's not the point of practicing the one handed cartwheel. The point of practicing the one handed cartwheel is to get a really damn good one handed cartwheel. Yes, and when you've got the really damn good one-handed cartwheel, that's when you can start making a transition to aerial really good. So taking your ego out of it and really focusing on the step of the progression that you're at really makes a big difference. And the other thing, like you said, with transitions, um, that's just that's one of those things that it's just so so very key, Um, and it's hard to describe exactly why or how. But the the movements between the movements, the the stuff in between the 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 change from one to another, like if you look at look at a soccer player or a football player, you know depending on what part of the the world you're in you know it's not just running in a straight line and kicking the ball towards the goal the thing that makes their movement so amazing is that they're constantly dodging opponents, turning around, changing direction those changes of direction are the most difficult part of any athletic kind of movement that you would ever do. And so it's the same thing in what we're practicing here too. So when you focus on your transitions and make them very, very smooth, what you're doing is you're building that in-between movement, that ability to change directions, to change your mind, to react and respond. And that's where real athletic physical mastery comes from is that transition ability. So, um... So good job Brian the, the things that I thought were going to make me sound smart you actually got to first, and uh, I just I added a little footnote there
1: I always like to look at I always think of my movements trying to make it like music because we've got the individual notes and music, but what makes it music is that putting that putting the notes together the transitions and making sure that they flow together in order to make that beautiful music and I think movements the same and so the more that you can focus on your transitions between those movements and make those good, um, the better your flow is going to be. And that's really what we're trying to trying to work towards, is making sure that everything that we do flows together. So. Absolutely. And I, I just
0: feel like I should say most of my movements are in D minor. <laughs> which, as we all know, is the saddest of all keys. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, anyway, well that's probably going to uh, suffice us for this particular episode. I hope that you have found us uh, enlightening and entertaining or at least not wholly offensive. And if you did learn something or you know want to share this with other people, uh, we'd really appreciate it If you would go to iTunes and you know leave us a, a rating five stars, yeah we deserve it. It's all right five stars. It's good. Good for you. Good for us. And write a little review. That way more people can find us. And well, if you're enjoying us, wouldn't you want to share that with the rest of the world? Don't be selfish. All right. So that's all we got. Thanks for listening. Uh, Take care.